Welcome to the NTD Leadership Podcast. This is a resource from and for those of us serving Jesus with the North Texas District of the Assemblies of God. My name's Lennon. I hope you're doing well today. I am. I'm drinking coffee right now, and I'm getting ready to head down to San Antonio for our annual minister's retreat, which the last several years has been right there on the Riverwalk. This year, we are looking forward so much to having Ben and Kim Daly come down from Calvary Church in Irving and to spend a few days ministering to and blessing their fellow ministers here in the North Texas District. Really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to the conversations that I'm going to have with our fellow ministers. Really looking forward to just being together. I've said it before, and I'll keep on saying it. Uh, We do need each other. You know, no one prays for a pastor like a pastor. No one prays for a missionary like a missionary. And so we need this. Pastors, spouses, missionaries, associates, youth pastors, children's pastors, we need time away with our colleagues, and I believe that the Lord's going to do some special things from us there. And so hopefully we'll be telling you about that soon. We've got a great show for you today, and I want to invite you to send in suggestions for this segment that we're going to be calling the NTD Family Win of the Week. And so if you have a win you'd like us to celebrate with you, or you want to talk good about somebody behind their back and have me talk good about them to everybody here on the podcast, send that to me, podcast at northtexas.ag. That's my email address, podcast at northtexas.ag, all spelled out. For the sake of simplicity this week, um, our win is going to go to our interviewee. We're going to be talking today with Adam Fogelman. He and his wife, Alicia, are currently in Durban, South Africa. And I say currently because we're going to interview him right now. And uh, I did this interview with him shortly before they finally got on the plane and headed to South Africa. But before that, while they thought they were about to head to South Africa, they were in another African country where he was detained, arrested, put in jail, and then deported and sent back to America. And so what does it mean when the Lord calls you somewhere and you follow him and walk right into difficulties? Well, if we've ever read the Bible and I know we all have. We know that that's not as rare as perhaps we wish it was. So Adam's going to tell us the story today of him and his brides, um, and his, they have two incredible girls, of their preparation and difficulty in getting to their place of service where they are now. And so enjoy this interview and the lessons learned with North Texas District Missionary Adam Fogelman. Yeah, so about a year ago, we started to work on our visas, and uh Always an interesting process. Every government's different, so you got to jump through different hoops. So we started to get our paperwork together and get all of it going. And uh, we went to the consulate in uh, Washington, D.C. last June once we got all of our medical paperwork and everything else. And uh, we were denied our visa. And we were kind of denied without prejudice, so we could just reapply. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's an appeal process, so we filed this appeal process. And it was just one of those things, it didn't go right. I don't know what happened. I don't know why exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just one of those things, everything went wrong that could have went wrong. I mean, we were, if there was ever a spiritual attack, in my opinion, I think we faced it there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we were, all right, what are we going to do? We feel called to go. Um, this is where God wants us. So we, so we, we, there was some other work we could do in the area in a different country that was close by where Durban is. So our plan was, hey, we'll go serve there for a couple weeks and then live in Durban a couple months and go back and teach in a Bible school and make it happen. Um, so that's what we, we moved to South Africa last September to do. 
And we get there, and all of a sudden, the, this guy this said, hey, I can help you get your visas. Just send me your passports. I'll have them in 10 days. So, now, did you meet this guy on the street? or? Yeah, it, it's one of those. It's through a business contact. This guy is a businessman, and he has he knows politicians and, and all this other stuff. Total joke question, by the way. Of course, it wasn't someone you yeah. randomly met on no, the street. No, I but. understand. Uh, and no, it's a fair question. You know, we we weren't working with a guy to, in a van back beyond the, right. the parking lot or whatever. <laughs> I've got a great copier and laminator back <laughs> yeah. here. I can help you with that. Um, so no, legitimate guy. And uh, so we were like, all right, we got approval. It'd be cheaper than us coming back to America to reapply for our visas. But I told him, I said, look, we're not, we can't give you any money until we get our visas back. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, that's not a problem. Ten days, we'll have them done. So ten days, thirty days, sixty days, and we're supposed to leave the country every ninety days. Well, we don't have visas to do that. We don't have our passports. We can't leave. So I'm calling him, messing, you know, messaging him. Hey, we need our stuff. We got to get out of here. And he's like, you know, he goes, it's coming. I promise. We're. I'm being told it'll be any tomorrow. Next day, it'll be tomorrow. You know, just day after day. So uh, finally, we got our passports back, and my wife and I opened up our passports, and we had visas. And instead of them being visitor visas, they were work visas. So they actually gave us the wrong visa. And we're like, wow, maybe God did something special and we're able to do some business as mission stuff and open up stuff with our church and do some, you know, just different things. God opened up some doors and we were celebrating this, but we didn't have our kids' passports. And uh, so I called them and I said, look, what about my kids? He goes, he goes, yeah, now they want more money from us. So now it's you're getting to the bribe side, and they saw an American passport and think that we all have money and stuff. Yeah. Um, so we said, look, we can't pay any more money. This is We don't have it. He goes, don't worry about it. We'll cover it. So I'm like, well, okay, that sounds good to me. Um, blessing of God. Yeah, blessing of God. So we, I'm like, we need our, v- our passports, though, in two weeks because uh, it's Christmas time. Everything in South Africa, the government— Shuts down around Christmas time mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks. They all take vacation. It's a big holiday time. So we knew that was coming up. We needed it because we had to leave the country if we didn't get a visa. And uh, he goes, we'll have it. We'll have it. Well, all of a sudden, it gets into January. We don't have visas. We traveled to Johannesburg for some meetings. And then I go to Tanzania to get all of our stuff and because uh, all of our stuff was being stored there. So we had to ship it down. So I went and arranged all that. And I was flying back in the country. And uh, all of a sudden, I get to the... Uh, immigration and i go through the hey i have i have citizenship a residency so i go in the right line and uh as i go in they sit there and they they scan my passport i'm you know thinking well this is cool i get a you know I get, i'm in the shorter line it's always nice and i scan my passport he looks at it he scans <laughs> it again he looks at it he calls over his supervisor and the supervisor does the whole follow me thing and, uh, Never good in an airport to be told, follow me. No, no. From Jesus, great. From airport <laughs> official, something bad's about to yeah, happen. Yeah, something's bad. So they take me back to this, down this hallway, back to this side room and all that. And uh, they, they, hey, where'd you get this visa? So I started telling the story. He goes, you got scammed. This is a fraudulent visa. He goes, we're, we're not going to let you come into the country. You're going to have to, we're going to deport you. So I'm like, uh, what about my family? Because mm. they're stuck in South Africa. My kids still don't have passports. They can't leave the country at this point. And uh, so I call Alicia, and I'm like, hey, honey, I made it to Johannesburg. The flight was great. And then the butt comes in. But we have fraudulent visas. I'm being deported. I don't know when I'm going to talk to you again. They're about to take all my stuff. I'm about to go to jail. And wow. uh, so I hung up the phone. And, and, hey, I'll talk to you when I can. Hung up the phone. 
and uh, started to make message some people and message the guy helping us get our visas. I'm like, what's going on? I we have fraudulent visas. He calls me. He can't believe we have fraudulent visas. Mm. He talks like only a, a South African or a sa- sailor would talk. And um, I mean, he's just dropping words and things and. And I'm like, well, here's what I need you to do. I need you to get my kids their passports so they can leave the country. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, he actually did it on, on time and got mm-hmm. into them the next day. So they, I flew out. I spent the night in airport jail and, uh, you know, couldn't get to my family. They gave me the choice, hey, you could either come home or you could go back to Tanzania. And I said, well, I think I'll go to America mm-hmm. um, is my choice. And then I had my family. We flew them out a couple days later, and then they came and got home. Um, so that's a real quick what happened in South Africa, my four-month uh, term in South Africa. Yeah, so I've, I've heard one of the reasons I'm excited to have you tell your story today is because of some of the takeaways, you know, that as you've spent time, as you spent t- continue to spend time with Jesus and no doubt maybe shout some questions at the sky, Lord, why? <laughs> you know, yeah. what what is this? And so you've worked, you've worked, really come to some truths about this, but Tell me, tell me this. Give us, give us a look. Um, some of us are pastors listening. Some of us are missionaries. All of us have had significant difficulties while trying to follow the call of God. Talk though about um, how did you and your family, your your wife and your daughters, what was it like processing all of this? Because ministry being a family call, all of you are making the move across the ocean again. And um, what were the emotions and conversations like among your family during this time? Yeah. Um, obviously, it was difficult. You know, you, you question, all right, God, we feel called to be here, yet we can't go. Mm-hmm. Um, or when we did go, we get sent out of the country. You know, we get rejected by South Africa. My kids were actually put on a list. They were called, there's a list that if you overstay your visa, and it's called the undesirable persons list. So my 14 and my 10-year-old were on this undesirable people list. So, my, you know, according to South Africa, they're undesirables. Now, if they just got to know those girls, they're way too sweet and kind to yes. be undesirable for anybody. Yes, exactly. So they're on this list. We had to get them removed. And it's like, all right, God, we feel called. This is what we want to do. But is this what you really want us to do? Is this one of those moments in life where you're closing a door and and we're okay if that's the case, but it, just let us know. And if that's the case, open up the door you want us to walk through. So it's that holding your dreams and letting your dreams that you have, the visions, the the you know, I don't know what how else to say. It's you open holding those dreams to God and saying, God, these are yours. They're not mine. Um, as long as I'm with you and I'm my family safe, then then we can do whatever you called us to do. Hmm. And so you found some solace uh, in Scripture, looking at the life of of David, because yeah. as clear of a call as, as he had, things didn't always go so smoothly for him either. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, you think of David. David, you know, he he's anointed king, but yet he's not the king. For many years later, he serves the king, and the king throws spears at him and, and tries to kill him, um, and, and and chases him through the desert, and and then David becomes the king, and he has his plan. If you look at the Bible, specifically in Second Samuel 15, where, where it's a story of David and his sons, 
and you have Absalom, and you have Ammon, and his favorite son, and his first son, and, and, and the story of what happens, and how his favorite son ends up killing his first son, and, you know, if you were to ask David, who's gonna, David had this covenant from God, that, you, you know what, you're, you're gonna have, have a kingdom that's gonna reign for forever, it's gonna be a bless, blessing to your, the nations, that the descendant that you're gonna have is gonna rule forever and ever, and your kingdom will never end, your throne will never end. And if, if you went to David during the, you know, during the time of the Bible and you asked him who was going to be the, your descendant that was going to rule, he would have said, well, it's my first son. Well, mm-hmm. his first son made a huge mistake, obviously, slept with his sister uh, or half-sister. And, uh, and because of that, his, his brother, half-brother kills him, and uh, that's David's favorite son, Absalom. So Absalom all of a sudden then goes off into hiding and... and, and so if you were to ask David who was going to be your descendant, he would have said Amon. And then he would have said Absalom, his favorite son. But all of a sudden, neither one of those is possible. Mm-hmm. And David had to walk that out. And then Absalom comes back. Absalom actually overthrows his dad off the throne and tries to become king. And uh, the people loved Absalom at this time more than they loved David. Mm-hmm. So you have this story in, in, in 2 Samuel 15 where David is riding a... a a horse, a donkey, a colt, or whatever he's riding, out of the city of Jerusalem. And we see the story that's there. And uh, there's some takeaways I think we can learn um, as ministers, as pastors, when things don't go our way. And the truth is, we, we all have dreams, we all have visions, and they don't turn out the way we think it will mm-hmm. or the way we think it should. Um, maybe it's a, we plan a big event and it, it, something doesn't happen, or there's a sickness or death or, or something goes wrong, but our dreams don't come true. Um, so, so as he's walking out of the village, the, the city, David and his, his, the people that are following him, that were still loyal to him, the priests and the Levites were with him and they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant with him. And, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't, we don't know what David's thinking, but I can see part of it is, hey, you can have the kingdom and you can have the, the, the palace, but I'm going to take the, the very presence of God with me. Right. Um, and as we know, David had a heart for the presence of God. That's something he 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 longed for. Something he 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 I think he kept special. And so he's carrying the ark out, and and they get to the river, and uh, they're about to. They started to do a sacrifice, um, and when they do, David says, "Wait a second, this isn't right. The ark of the covenant's not supposed to be with me. The presence of God isn't supposed to be with me, but it's supposed to reside in the temple in Jerusalem." Mm-hmm. Um, so he looks at the priests and he says, and he says this in verse 25, he said, take the ark of God back to the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it in his dwelling place again. But if he says, I'm not pleased with you, then I'm ready. Let him do whatever seems good to him. Mm. And, and it's David saying, you know, what? I want the presence of God with me, but if God doesn't if God's not where he's supposed to be, then I don't need it. I need God to do what's pleasing to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where we wrestled and where we came through our struggles of, all right, God, whatever is pleasing to you, that's what we want to do. Um, and, and a couple of the quick takeaways that, that when you read this story that I think we can see, David didn't base his faith in God on the fulfillment of his dreams. I think that is such a, a powerful and simple observation because it is really easy to get um, 
it's really easy to do that because when a dream is birthed, a lot of times we assign to it specifics that perhaps God mm-hmm. hasn't assigned to it, and um, and it can re- be really disillusioning if, if we've based our faith in the dream instead of God. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, we're excited about this dream, this vision, this idea, and, and obviously we think God's in it or we, we wouldn't have been given it, um, but yet when, when the dream didn't happen, when it when it's not being fulfilled the way that God wants, that we think it should be, do we put our faith in God and, and let him say, all right, God, it's yours. It's not mine, but yours. And that's one of the things my, my, my family wrestled with and we had to get through. Mm. God is good no matter what. Mm-hmm. And my faith is in him because of who he is, not because of what he does for me. Mm-hmm. It's one of those lessons we all have to learn. And at some point we all do learn, I think. Yes. Yeah. The second one that, that we, we learned quickly is David didn't base his faith around his assumptions about how, when God would fulfill his promise. You know, we put timelines on God. We, we, we stress that, hey, you know what? This is how it's going to happen. This is when it should happen. But mm-hmm. when it doesn't happen, we can't let our lives and our faith in God come crashing down because of that. I think that's so true because I, I know that there I know there are some pastors listening right now who maybe they're a few years in and instead of looking at hundreds, they're looking at dozens. Or there's, you know, certain things, benchmarks of what we assume will be indications and blessings of our faithfulness. Yeah, assigning assigning timelines to God, who operates on a totally different time yeah. scale than we do outside of time even, that can be a mistake that leads to discouragement, can it? Yeah, oh yeah. Probably the most discouraging moment I, I had was when we, we, we got our first, our first time we got denied uh, last June. Um, we opened up our passports and it said denial. Denied without prejudice is what it said. So it wasn't that we were denied for anything outright outrageous or anything like that. Uh, they just didn't want to give us a visa. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there thinking, wait a second, God, this isn't how it's supposed to happen. But then realizing, you know what, God, you called us to this. And and, and I, I personally, before we applied, we prayed and th- I felt like we should apply. That it was a spiritual attack and we were going and, and we needed to come against it. We had people praying. I had a, a friend of mine was was in Washington, D.C. for a different conference. He lives in Oregon. He was in Washington, D.C. The, the time that we were there. He walked down to the embassy, and he prayed with us right before we went in. Yeah. And I'm thinking, God, this has to be you. And then you walk in, and you get these passports back 10 days later, and they're denied. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. wait a second. This isn't the way it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then this last month, when the church launches, and we're not able to be there, and we're thinking, God... This is what we'd worked four months for while we were there is for the launch of this church. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, we're not, th- we're not able to be there. And, 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 yeah, realizing that, you know what, God, your promises are true. Mm-hmm. They're yes and amen. They're, you know, we can quote the scriptures and parts of scriptures and all that. But it's when you're walking through those seasons that, that, you, that you walk out your faith in those things. Mm-hmm. So that was the second big lesson I think David shows us and we can see. Um, and the third mistake David avoided, which is where I think I felt like I failed in this, um, if I'm honest with you, is that he didn't take matters into his own hands and try to make everything happen his way. Mm-hmm. We know the story when David's in the, the cave with uh, King Saul. He could have killed King Saul, but he didn't mm-hmm. um, because he knew that wasn't the way God wanted it done. Right. He could have stayed and fought his son. In, in, in Jerusalem and, and, and to the death, and either what would have happened was Absalom would have died, 
he would have died. Uh, they both could have died, you know, but he didn't, he didn't do those things. Right. He said, God, what's going to happen happens. And, and, and us, I think we, in my story, we tried to make things happen that, that maybe we shouldn't have, maybe we shouldn't have moved to Durban, mm-hmm. uh, without having the right visas and, and just planning to jump the border. Uh, we felt like it was good, but maybe that was us putting it in our own hands, mm-hmm. uh, and not trusting God. As I look back, I question those things. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. Um, at the time, we did the best that we knew the, to do, but but I think David teaches us, you know what? God's going to work it out the way He's going to work it out. Yeah, I think I, I don't I don't know either with the situations you describe because where sometimes like what is where's the balance between persistence and patience? Like you said, I think it's definitely the case that the Lord would never want us to do God's will in an ungodly way. I think there's something transferable. If of um, I know. I know it can happen. I've I've seen a minister or two get indignant in the name of the Lord and act unlordlike, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. some different circumstances. But I think that's definitely a principle that you can't fulfill God's will in an ungodly way, which at the very least would have been the case if uh, if David had offed Saul in the cave. That yeah, day. yeah, exactly. The truth is, what we get, we we realize is that you know Romans eight twenty eight, Paul writes, God works in good for those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. The best part of my story, I think, is that we came back to America, we went to D.C. thinking, all right, what are we going to do? How are we going to make this happen? Are we even going to be allowed to be in missions anymore? And you think about it now, anytime I fill out a visa application, I have to put, I've been denied entry into another country. Hmm. And those questions are swirling in my brain is what's going to happen? So my wife and I, we flew to to Chicago to to the consulate there, and we said, all right, what's going to happen? How's this going to work? And we went to the lady. We were very, you know, humble and said, here's what happened. This is what we did. This is what happened. She, I said, what are our options? Mm-hmm. She took our passports, my, my my wife and my passports, and she applied the stamp that our fake visas were canceled without prejudice. Mm. And uh, we appealed to have my kids took off the undesirable people's list that came back and they were, they were taken off the list. Uh, thank God my kids are desirable. Right. Yes. They're very desirable. And then, uh, a week ago or a couple weeks ago, we went back to Chicago, reapplied. And, um, while we were there, uh, we actually ran into some more problems and fixed it and all that with our application. But while we were there, we, we got back. So, March 8th, 2017, we started to work on our visas. March 7th, 2018, we actually have our stamps and our passports that say we are allowed to go to South Africa mm-hmm. and uh, do what God's called us to do. So almost a year later, it took almost an exact year wow. from when we started to work on it to when our standport, our passports were stamped that, that we are able to go. Um, so next week, the 27th, a week from tomorrow, we're flying out. We're heading Praise back to South Africa. Praise so, the Lord. So, yeah. Well, that's our interview with a tough and, and faithful man of God. Adam, thank you for spending time with us. And I pray that uh, the Lord is strengthening the work of your hands there in Durban, working with you and your team there, and that he's pouring his spirit out among the people of South Africa. Friends will tell you, if you're listening today, whether you're in Durban or Decatur, if you're a pastor serving within the geographical boundaries of the North Texas District, or you're a missionary who's been sent by us to some corner of the earth, we want to tell you we're thinking about you, we're praying for you, we're on your side, and we all need each other. Love you, friends, and have a great week serving Jesus and establishing his kingdom.